Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. Today we're going to start off with a recipe from smittenkitchen.com for spring asparagus galette. This is beautiful green slices diagonally on the asparagus. Yum. I know it's too early for asparagus, at least in New York, but I'm tired of waiting. I'm feeling that both encapsulates my cooking right now and my mood about everything. I'm sure I'm not alone in being ready for summer, for outside, for all my friends to get vaccinated, for my kids' lives to normalize so they can be off screens all day. And I know you do not get things by stamping your feet and demanding them. I may have tried. But if there's one thing on this list that we can safely take an advance on, it's spring vegetables. Grocery store asparagus is lovely and here for us until the freshly plucked green market stuff emerges, and I say we embrace it with abandon. This galette has been several years in the making. Every spring I take a couple of stabs at asparagus galettes, but have rejected each because they were too woody, soft, discolored, and are too much work. Poaching and water baths or roasting and chopping and just no. Uh, if we we're going to make a homemade crust, and if you do, the payoff here is immense. I want everything to be as effortless as possible. After all of that trial and error, I found the perfect technique in the zucchini and ricotta galette in the archives. Salting and draining sliced asparagus softens it enough that it can finish cooking to a perfect crisp tenderness in the oven without discoloring. A mixture of cheeses, lemon, and garlic makes an unassuming seeming base that in the oven exceeds its potential, bubbling up and locking down the asparagus on top and sharply flavoring everything. This is fantastic warm or at room temperature, and it keeps well in the fridge for up to a week. You will not regret making two. Here's the recipe spring asparagus galette. Serves eight, takes 45 minutes plus chilling time, and the source is Smitten Kitchen. Of course, you can use a store-bought pie crust instead. The unroll and bake ones are the way to go here. But I promise this dough is so easy that you'll be glad you tried it. Puffed pastry can work too, but won't hold pleats, so you'll want to make more of a flat tart. I replace one half cup of the all-purpose flour here with whole wheat flour. So for the crust, you'll need one and a quarter cups of all-purpose flour, one quarter teaspoon of fine sea salt, eight tablespoons of cold unsalted butter cut into pieces, one quarter cup of plain yogurt or sour cream, three to four tablespoons of cold water, and for the filling, one pound of asparagus, kosher salt, one half cup of ricotta cheese, one half cup of grated gruyere, compte or gouda cheese, one quarter cup of grated parmesan or pecorino cheese, one garlic clove minced, red pepper flakes or freshly ground black pepper, and one tablespoon of olive oil, plus the finely grated zest of one lemon and one large egg or egg yolk. This is optional for shine. To make the crust, you're going to combine the flour and salt in a large bowl. 
Sprinkle butter over the dough and using a pastry blender or your fingertips, work it into the flour until the mixture resembles small peas. Sprinkle sour cream and three tablespoons of water over the mixture and stir or mash it together to combine. It should form large clumps and then add the last tablespoon of water if it does not. Use your hands to bring it together into a single mass and then transfer the dough to a large square of parchment paper, patting it into a flatter packet and wrap it tightly. Chilling it in the fridge until firm one to two hours for up to four days. You can hasten the firming process along in the freezer for about 20 minutes. Make the filling. You're going to hold the asparagus by the tough end. There's no need to snap it off and cut the tips into one inch segments and the rest of the spears into very thin slices on a sharp angle. In a large bowl, toss with one teaspoon of kosher salt and set aside for 30 minutes. In a small bowl, combine the ricotta, gruyere, parmesan, garlic, a pinch of salt, and pepper to taste and set aside. Drain the asparagus in a colander and pat it dry on paper towels. Return it to the empty bowl and toss with olive oil, lemon zest, and pepper to taste. No need to salt because it will be well seasoned with the salting step still to come. (laughs) Assemble galette. You're going to heat the oven to 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Unwrap the firm crust dough and line a large baking sheet with the parchment paper that is wrapped in. On a floured counter, roll the dough out onto the large roundish shape, about 14 inches across, and then gently transfer it to the parchment paper in the pan. Spread the ricotta mixture over the center, leaving a 3-inch border bare, and then spoon the asparagus over the ricotta layer. Fold the border over the filling and pleating the edge to make it fit. The center will be open. For a darker, glossier crust, beat an egg or just a yolk with one teaspoon of water and brush it over the crust. Then bake the galette for 30 to 35 minutes until the crust is deeply golden. Serve warm in wedges. So do ahead. Um, This galette keeps in the fridge for up to one week, and it's good at room temperature, but even better warm, so the cheese is all stretchy again. Our next recipe is for cream biscuits. Really simple, but man, I love a good biscuit, and these look really beautiful. There are biscuits, and there are biscuits. There are biscuits that you serve with chili, with barbecue, or alongside some eggs and grits. And there are biscuits that you bring out in a warmed basket with a cloth napkin draped over them at a dinner party to sop up a braise or slather with honey butter. These biscuits are of the latter variety, but I suspect they will quickly become your one and only biscuit, because if you're anything like me, you'll wonder where they have been your whole life. Because they are so easy, it might feel like you're cheating. There's five ingredients, a sifter and a mixing bowl and a puddle of melted butter. That's so going to be my first album title, (laughs) I've decided. Three minutes to assemble and 12 minutes to bake. And they remain the richest, lightest biscuits I have ever had with serious plushness within and the faintest crunch at the edges, which sound as you tear one open as if you'd broken a cookie in half but then to turn the volume on that sound way down or a very faint crunch. And here's the thing with biscuits and scones for that matter. 
They're the best when you first bake them. Sure, I tried a stale one 24 hours later. Free research, people, of course. It wasn't so bad, but I chalked that up to them being extra awesome on the get-go. But you needn't make them at the 11th hour either. These biscuits freeze excellently unbaked. Go ahead and make them whenever you have time and then flash freeze them and store them in a freezer bag for a later day or freeze them right on your buttered or parchment lined baking sheet so they're ready to go when you are. You can bake them still frozen. They'll just need an extra few minutes in the oven. And then you never have an excuse not to have freshly baked biscuits on the ready. You know, unless you ate them all without sharing. Or stashed them in your cheeks or something. Just saying. Here is the recipe. Cream biscuits. This is adapted from James Beard's American Cookery. The original recipe has you brush your baking sheet with melted butter and increases the amount by two tablespoons. But for whatever reason, the butter not covered by biscuits just got smoky in my oven, so I'm voting for you to just line your sheets with parchment. If you find dipping the biscuits in butter difficult, it's hard to grasp if the dough is soft, just brush them generously instead. And this made about 10 biscuits, perhaps a dozen if I'd been a little stricter about the height and scrap usage. You'll need three tablespoons of melted butter, two cups of all-purpose flour, plus more for dusting the surface, one tablespoon of baking powder, one half teaspoon salt, one tablespoon of sugar, this is optional, and one and a half cups of heavy cream. Preheat the oven to 425 degrees Fahrenheit, Line a baking sheet with parchment paper. Melt the butter in a small pot or microwave dish and set aside. Then sift two cups of flour, the baking powder, salt, and if you're using the sugar, into a large bowl. Fold in one and a quarter cups of cream. If the dough is not soft or easily handled, then fold in the remaining one quarter, excuse me, yeah, one quarter cup of cream, just little by little. I ended up using two additional tablespoons or half of the unused cream. Then you're going to turn the dough onto a floured surface, mount it into a ball, and using your hands, press it to a thickness of about three quarters of an inch. Cut into rounds two and a half inches in diameter, gather the dough scraps, and continue to make rounds. Dip the top of each round in melted butter and arrange on the baking sheet. You're going to bake until golden, 12 to 15 minutes, then serve immediately or flash freeze for future use. The biscuits can be baked straight from the freezer and an additional few minutes, which should be added, and then you're all set, around three to five minutes. Next, we're going to um, have a recipe for the perfect vegetable lasagna. Yum! Who wouldn't love this? Here's a theory. There are two types of picky people, those that are totally fine just never experiencing a life with, I don't know, tomatoes or bananas or pickles or raisins. And then there's the kind that find their Epicurean limitations to constrict, like an uncomfortable jacket that they'd love to shed if they could figure out how. I, a lifelong picky person, am the latter. Over the years, creating and sharing recipes for this site, I've embraced so many things I once thought I didn't like, 
But it just turned out that I didn't like the way that they were usually made. And now the time has come for me to get over my lasagna issues. What are you saying, you might ask? There are two lasagna recipes in the archives. You love them both, and it's true. What I have struggled with is what I'd call the usual vegetable lasagna. I want something as bubbling, bronzed, and brick-like as a classic lasagna should be, but I needed to fix a few things along the way. Most vegetable lasagna recipes are meat lasagnas with a footnote that you can just leave the meat out. But I wanted one that celebrated the presence of vegetables, a lot of them. And I wanted us to be able to choose our own vegetable adventure based on what we could get and what we like. Here I use four dice cups of mushrooms, onions, and fennel, plus spinach. In the summer, in my zucchini and eggplant, you pick what you like with sauce, cheese, and pasta. I know it's just me, but I find no-boil lasagna noodles too thin and unacceptably bereft of ruffly edges. But I also hate boiling lasagna noodles, which, as we all know, stick to everything and also themselves, and you spend a good 15 minutes peeling and tearing them to get them spread in a pan, and wondering why you didn't just make big ziti, which would never do you like this. I don't know why it took me so long to just use the lasagna noodles that I like and soak them in hot tap water for 10 minutes, letting the rest happen in the oven. But I finally did, and I will never make lasagna from dried noodles another way again. Good tip, Deb. I've never liked the texture of baked ricotta. Fresh ricotta is pure bliss, of course, but it gets so grainy and dry when baked with sauce and noodles. I was happy to use a smooth, rich bechamel instead. Both previous lasagnas are bechamel lasagnas. But here I experimented with adding some heavy cream to ricotta to keep it from baking up dry, and I really liked the effect. You may not need or want it here, but um, if the above mimics your feelings about lasagna, you are in for a treat. My last quibble with many lasagna recipes is the height. Quite often, hearty lasagna recipes call for less than a pound of noodles, building four instead of five layers, which settle into a nice but kind of a squat lasagna. I prefer a full five tiers, a beautiful thing to behold, especially when the top layer is crackly and bronzed with melted cheese over a thin slick of garlicky tomato sauce. Well, I learned why. The former fits nicely into a standard 9 by 13 inch baking dish with 2.5 inch sides. The latter appears to, and then your oven floor tells you a different story. So this is where the story was supposed to end, me muttering under my breath about the burning smell, chalking the lasagna up to a failure. But I mean, it's not like it was going into the trash. I waited about 45 minutes to cut into it, which is a great thing to do if you don't like burning your mouth with food. It also gives the lasagna time to set up. Instead of finding a sloshy mess inside, I found nirvana. No extra liquid, no sog, just a perfectly set up sky-high lasagna masterpiece. We need this. We want this. We should not compromise. Bake it over a tray to catch the drips, and you won't have to either. You won't have to clean your oven. Next, here's the recipe 
perfect vegetable lasagna. This serves 8 to 12 and takes 2 hours and the source is here at Smitten Kitchen. I consider this at its core a classic red sauce and ricotta lasagna recipe, the kind you make for friends and family, the kind you make two of at once so you can freeze the other. If you like your lasagna on the very cheesy side, this is cheesy but not heavily cheesy, you might increase the mozzarella to one and a half pounds. I buy mozzarella that has been packaged tightly in plastic, not the kind in water, for baked pastas. For the four cups of diced vegetables, use whatever you can get or what you love. I got about two cups from eight ounces of sliced mushrooms that I further diced and two cups of diced fennel from a medium bulb. And I definitely use peppers, zucchini, eggplant, or even broccoli here too. That sounds good. So for the vegetables and sauce part, you're going to need four tablespoons of olive oil divided one large yellow onion, diced small, four cups of small diced, and that's about one half inch piece of vegetables, see note, five ounces of baby spinach or another green that you like, roughly chopped, kosher salt and freshly ground black pepper, three garlic cloves, finely chopped, red pepper flakes, one teaspoon of dried oregano, one six ounce can of tomato paste, one 28-ounce can of crushed tomatoes, and a handful of chopped fresh basil. This is optional. Being a basil lover myself, I would highly recommend it. Then the assembly. You're going to need one pound of dried lasagna noodles, not the no-boil type, one pound or two cups of whole milk ricotta, one quarter cup of heavy cream. This is optional, but like I said earlier, keeps the ricotta nice and moist. One pound of coarsely shredded low mozzarella, low moisture mozzarella. And then one cup or four ounces of finely grated Parmesan. You're going to make your vegetable mixture. In a large frying pan, heat two tablespoons of the olive oil over medium high heat. The order that you add your vegetables has to do with what you're using, but you'll of course want to add the ones that take the longest to soften first. I cooked my onion and fennel together for 8 to 10 minutes until lightly browned at the edges. And then I added the mushrooms and I cooked them for 5 minutes until they softened and any liquid that was released had mostly cooked off. I added the spinach in the last minute, just letting it soften. And then season each addition with salt and pepper for the best fully developed flavor. Once the vegetables are all tender and well seasoned, scrape them into a bowl. To make the sauce, in the same pan, you're going to heat the remaining two tablespoons of the olive oil, add garlic, a couple pinches of red pepper flakes, up to a full teaspoon if you want it spicy, and oregano, and cook together for 30 seconds to one minute until the garlic is just barely golden. Add the tomato paste, you want to save the can, and you're going to cook for three to four minutes. Don't worry if it seems to be drying out. Add two tomato paste cans of water, that's a total of one and a quarter cups, and stir up any stuck bits, cooking until smooth. Add the canned tomatoes, one teaspoon of salt and basil if you're using it, and simmer the mixture together for four to five minutes, and then adjust seasonings to taste. You will have four cups of sauce. Assemble the lasagna. 
You're going to heat the oven to 400 degrees Fahrenheit. Place the lasagna noodles in a large bowl or a baking dish and cover with the hottest tap water that you can get. Soak for 10 minutes and then mix the mozzarella and parmesan. Mix the ricotta with heavy cream if you want to keep it as creamy as possible or skip it if it doesn't bother you. And season the ricotta with some salt and black pepper. Coat a 9 by 13 baking inch dish at least 2.5 inches deep and ideally 3 inches deep lightly with oil or nonstick spray. Pour one-third of a cup of the sauce into the dish and spread it evenly across the bottom. Shake the water off the noodles and arrange your first layer of noodles, slightly overlapping their edges. Dollop one-quarter of the ricotta, that's about a half cup, over the noodles and spread it in an even layer with a spoon or a spatula. Add one-quarter cup of the vegetable mixture, then about one-fifth, of the mozzarella parmesan mixture. You can just eyeball it. Then pour a scant cup, more than a three quarters cup, but less than one cup, of sauce evenly over the cheese. Place the next layer of noodles on top. Repeat this process. One quarter of ricotta, one quarter of the vegetables, one fifth of the mozzarella parmesan, scant one cup of sauce, three times using up all but the mozzarella parmesan mixture and about a third cup of the sauce. Place the final layers of noodles on top and spread the remaining sauce thinly over it and scatter the top with the remaining mozzarella parmesan mixture. That's where you get your cheese crunch. Then bake the lasagna. Cover a large tray with foil for easy cleanup and place the baking dish on top of it. Lightly coat a piece of foil with nonstick spray and tightly cover the baking dish with foil, oil side down. Bake with the foil on for 30 minutes or the pasta is tender. A knife should easily go through. Remove the foil oh, carefully, oh so carefully, and bake it for another 20 minutes until the lasagna is golden on top and bubbling like crazy. Keep it in the oven for another 5 minutes for a darker color. Wait and then serve. The best lasagna has time to settle before you eat it. When it comes out of the oven, it might seem like it's a sloshy mess, but 45 minutes later, mine is always still very hot, but you might need less time in a cold kitchen, it will be glorious. The excess water is absorbed into the noodles and the filling, and it's ready for a relatively clean slice. Serve in big squares. As far as doing a head, the leftover should stay in the pan. I like to reheat lasagna with a foil off because I like it when the top gets very dark. Thank you for joining us for Food and Stuff. My name is Gretchen Miller. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.